destruction No, I don't even care Hey, hey, two thousand seals Welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with my friend Morris Sachs. How you doing, MB? Um, I'm a little jet lag, my friend. We're, <laughs> we're down here at an IBWAC event in um, uh, New Zealand. There's a very large contingent of followers, and we had a big event last night, and I'm a little hungover. And, um, but we proceed. Okay. How are you? Good, good, good. Well, you're not going to get off the hook that quick because I need to hear about the trip. Okay. So I need to, right. so getting from A to B, there, there's no way that this was, I mean, the smile from ear to ear, you're at, you're, you're absolutely glowing for the audience. And I haven't seen Morris like glow like this in, in months. Okay. Um, so, but like A to B was, was seamless. <laughs> you know, it's like, the official stool softener of Ibwak, Coles. The only sta thing standing between you and a big distribution is Coles. Yeah. <laughs> um, fortunately, uh, it was unremarkable. Wow. Which is good. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I'm. There's a reason they say the Jews are the lost tribe, and um, yeah, I. Uh, it took a lot of drugs. <laughs> Just, How long is that flight? What did you do? You went Phoenix direct, Phoenix direct to to. We went to Phoenix to Los Angeles. Okay. To Auckland. Okay. And I think I slept sixteen hours straight, maybe. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, when you operate on four hours of sleep for ten years or something, you know you can. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible it was really something yeah the guy kept waking me up to feed me i'm like oh my god it's breakfast already <laughs> no i'm 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 glad i'm here and uh how long has it been well, how long has it been four years four years oh yeah because we were here just as people were falling dead in the streets in china and big ed and i uh, had realized that there was a problem and I was worried about getting back in the States before they shut it down. And we, we got back well ahead. In fact, um, was this pre podcast? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Ed and I crushed it because we were long, we were watching this thing unfold and nobody gave a shit about it. Nobody. Yeah, and I did. I did the um, the Tim Adias trick where Friday I would buy a bunch of like one week puts, figuring the news would happen over the weekend. Yeah, and if it didn't, I'd sell them out Monday morning first thing, and I'd lose a little bit. And um, one one week it hit. I mean, it was ginormous. Yeah, uh, I I've talked about the Adias trade in the past, so I. Won't wait 
uh, waste uh, a lot of time on right now. If, if listeners are interested, we can, you know, replay that in the greatest hits edition. But um, uh, it's great to see you. Yeah, likewise. You look good. I'm glad that you got back yeah. there because you got didn't you get screwed out of a trip like you had it on the docket and then and they what or you couldn't get back a few years ago? How come it's been on hold for so long? Just well, it was, it was the it was the COVID. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, just, they closed the whole place down. You know, they put it into into a depression. I mean, yeah. it was it was terrible. They even elected a woman uh president or whatever they call them here. But uh it is um yeah, yeah, and it ain't gonna be you, Mush, Michelle Obama. Um, <laughs> a, a friend of mine apparently there's some back channeling, thinking Michelle might. Oh no, uh, no. Well, just just no. just oh. if I if if I can finish my thought, <laughs> apparently a, a person highly regarded, not a friend of the show, not a hater of the show, but unconnected, read her. Um, dissertation and he said it was childlike i said was it like field scratch daddy scratchy face he goes not quite like that and i said <laughs> how about good night moon he goes a little closer okay good night moon is a classic <laughs> yeah yeah well well beyond her capability okay but um you know not uh, that we traffic in the area of politics, but sometimes it does touch the financial markets. And I saw um, the the president to be Donald Trump talk about how um, he doesn't like Bitcoin. He so, also doesn't like the cent. Oh, dude! He also stone cold said, "I will ne there will never be a central bank digital currency on my watch." Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. He said it'll never yeah. happen, and and I, dude, I, I think that resonates with a lot of people, a lot of people. It, it's shocking to me, you know. I I say President Trump as if it's a foregone conclusion. It is. The Democrats can't find their ass with both hands, oh. and it's a it's a walkover. It's going to be a walkover. So, um, I think he listens to the show from time to time. So. I had a few suggestions, if I may may share with you. And first of all, they got all these Hamas guys hanging out in Qatar. And apparently, they've accumulated billions of dollars personally. So my suggestion is, you put a $25 million bounty on their head. And when you take them out, you go clean out their bank account. It it's a profit-making entity, which Donald Trump will, will resonate with. That's number one. Second suggestion. I don't know if you've seen the pictures. Uh, I know you're a, a, a fan, as am I, of the New York Post. The pictures of the tunnels that have been built under UN supervision. So I'm going to suggest Donald Trump construct or conduct an audit of the United Nations and how much money they gave to help build these tunnels. And uh, finally, the final suggestion, I know you being in close contact with the people who keep us safe, would prefer the UN were somewhere else. Let's give it to Switzerland. I agree. Yeah, how about Switzerland? The problem with Switzerland is apparently it's tough to get prostitutes in there Hold out this um, yeah but they'll find a way you know they'll, they'll find a way um but uh yeah we got we got off purpose but the, i guess the last thing this was a little shocking to me um you know uh our good friend um god the kid's name escapes me He's a great cyclist uh, lovely wife, one kid. Deluco, Deluco, Deluco. Yeah. So he works at MSK, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. One of one of the oh, world's yeah. foremost cancer institutions, mm -hmm. which was protested, mm -hmm. massive protest by pro-Palestinian entities because a 
person with a Jewish sounding name donated $400 million. So what kind of animal protests in front of a cancer hospital? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And, and a special hat tip to all those crypto guys who help Hamas garner yeah. all these. Yeah. yeah. So well done. Well done. Um, my, my my president, Jamie Diamond, uh, had a, you know, obviously I, you know, I'm in lockstep on yeah. him. said, I don't want to talk about that shit anymore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised he didn't mention gold too, the lead metal. <laughs> so how many people at JP Morgan are going to come up to the boss and go, hey, boss, I got this Bitcoin idea. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, why that thing is is not limit offer? Yeah. Because when when the world's foremost banker says I don't want to talk about it, that's not a growth industry, dude. But the Bitcoin people take it. The Bitcoin people are like, see, see, this is bullish for Bitcoin. This proves our. Yeah, of course, they've got Jamie Dimon quaking in his boots because he's terrified of Bitcoin. It's it's hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. Meanwhile, it's it's down and down and down the last four days. <laughs> yeah. Good luck to you. And keep in mind, we gave you that example of compound interest. Um, so just before we delve into um, more current events, I, I do think you and I should give each other a nice pat on the back because our uh, featured section on the website showed the chart of um, Kathy Wood and I think we mentioned it was the ugliest chart we had ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think the stock traded off too, right? Dude, it's been and brutal. So to make matters better or worse, better for you and me, worse for Tesla people. Um, so I saw something on um, the Daily Shot from Lev Borowski, who I, I guess is having a, a medical procedure. So we wish him well. But apparently the incidence of pedestrian fatalities has exploded between, <laughs> between the hours of 8 and 10 p.m. So, yeah, you're gonna, how are you going to cross the street? You're getting hit already because everyone's so for cocked with their fucking iPhone and it, it, like you've got a relatively new F-150, right? Oh, is yeah. there like, is there like a heads up? Of information? Nope. Nope. Not on mine. No. Okay. Well, I don't have a heads up display, but they're in the, the car I drive. I can't figure out how to turn the fucking fan off. You gotta go to the dealer. You gotta go to the dealer. Trust me, my mom got a new car, and she's got all the bells and whistles. And she, and I said, look, I'll come over. I'll turn it all off. Okay, all of it. All, I'll shut it all off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I, I know. I, but before I forget, dude, I got two other Tesla tidbits that I saw this week. Today I saw Hertz. Okay, the rental yeah. car. Hertz loaded. They bought. Pick a number. They bought fifty thousand Teslas, dude. They are yeah. all for sale. They yeah. cannot unload them fast enough. Hertz has a surplus of them for sale. The other thing I saw was a video of a Tesla graveyard because it costs so much to fix them and no body shop wants to touch it. So you get hit in the rear in your in your Audi, no problem. You take it down to Greenwich Collision, they bang it out, they fix it, you get it back. The Tesla, it's garbage and it goes to a graveyard. Dude, there was a thousand paperweight Teslas sitting. The um the final nail in the coffin was when the Ibwak automotive expert Anthony Peters. <laughs> I think I'm I'm not exactly paraphrasing, I'm interpreting, but I think he said they're a piece of shit. And <laughs> this is a guy who knows his cars. And you know, I anyway, um good luck, Kathy. It's your number one, number one or number two holding. When, so she's on the cutting edge of technology. Tesla, Zoom, Roku, like, hello? This is, this is cutting edge. I mean, yeah, yeah. 
back when Fred Flintstone was driving to work, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Why not? Anyway. No. How about we get serious for a few minutes? Yeah. Um, I think we had a very good call on lightening up on the two-year, okay? Um, you know, as, I'm, as we mentioned, I'm out of the country, so I don't know where everything closed. But I think on, two, on a Thursday or Wednesday, they took the thing out to the woodshed and beat the living shit out of it. And at one point, give me some latitude, but I think at one point, two's bonds might have actually gone positive, maybe for a glimmer. Okay. But the, the, the long and the short of it is the yield curve wants to be positive. That's, you know, that's how it, it wants to be. And it's going to find a way to get there. My concern about the two-year note, and I don't recall, but I suspect I clearly stated there were so many Fed eases built in that would be vulnerable. And we've had some of that. But I do want to make it clear, I do still buy into the Lacey Hunt thing. And I've had, uh, unfortunately, a real-life example come up and I think it's pervasive to explain. You know, uh, I uh, tried my hand in New York real estate. And, you know, I, I think I've done okay. I, I wouldn't claim to have done great. I would claim I've learned a great deal. Um, but what I'm seeing now is some of these buildings which we built, okay, the loans are coming due and a couple of them i don't think we're going to be able to refinance them i.e the keys are going back to the bank and the bank is not in the business of renting out apartments ergo drop in value yeah okay yeah. deflation yeah um somebody made the comment you know, inflation, not inflation, interest rates kind of get into the cracks that nobody sees. And so for me, you know, fortunately, uh, the bulk of the stuff is pretty well immunized. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing very real issues come up because, you know, either they're going to refuse to refinance, they're going to require way more capital, um, we'll have to bring in equity and dilute. Um, and this is in apartment buildings in Manhattan that are getting rented out at 90, 95 bucks a square foot and we're fully occupied. So what happens to the stuff that's on the cusp, right? It's, oh. it's, yeah, niche get office building that lost half its tenants and then the rest of them are at 50%. Yeah. I mean, they've been telling yeah. that story and they've been fighting. I mean, people have been pushing back against it, but there's no way that those, there's no way that yeah. Manhattan is like the key cards don't lie. And the key card says the place is half full. Yeah. So um, I'm not uh, overly excited about the prospects for the economy. You know, Again, um, for me, it's it's all about how do you construct the asymmetrical bets. Um, I've actually uh, kind of um, taken the easy way out. I decided at, uh, how old am I now? I'm going to be 64 this year. Mm -hmm. I decided that it, it's enough. I'm, I'm moved everything where with high quality investment grade fixed income, I'm just going to ride off into the sunset and stop trying to forecast rates. You know, I'm just, you know, maybe one day I'll be lucky enough to be a grandfather, you know, go sit over there, you know, run to the store. Yeah, that's I'm ready for that. I've earned it. Okay. Okay. Um, 
but uh, you know, I, I lightened up a little bit of the long end, as I mentioned last week, just because I want to make sure I don't get caught needing cash at a time when maybe the right rates spike. Because as, as I said moments ago, the yield curve wants to go go positive. It's just that's just the way things are, you know. And um, I don't know which way it's going to go positive. Is is the long end going to stay, you know, where it is, and the two year notes going to rally two hundred basis points, or more likely than not, it's some combination of the two, right? So to be prudent, I lightened up on bonds that I thought were a little rich and just enough to get the cash that I needed. And and I think, as we said last week, you know, I just take a little bit of a break. I've perseverated through three years of these podcasts that I don't feel compelled to trade. Um, you know, when I was younger, there was more impetus. But one of the reasons we had the debatably outstanding returns we've always had was we felt like we got to to pick our spots and management supported that approach. I remember talking about how I'd have a meeting with Ben at the beginning of the year and he'd ask me, how are you going to make money in the first few years? I kind of made up some story because I had no idea. And finally, one meeting, I said, yeah, I, uh, I, I can't lie to you anymore. I have no fucking idea how we're going to make money. But I, you give me capital in 12 months, and, uh, you know, and it, it kind of worked, right? So, again, I don't feel any pressure to have to, to produce. And that really isn't unreasonable for anybody to take that. And uh, is their approach. Now, when you take a younger person, okay, they have the advantage of time, right? And along with time comes compound interest. So that's a different strategy. And that's not me. And so I'm, if it was me, you know, I, I, I would be working the compound interest. You know, and there's lots of ways to do that, you know, whether it's, uh, and I hate to say this, and I do not recommend this, but it just comes to mind, it would be life insurance. Um, I fucking hate life insurance. I hate everything about it. Did not you, as much. Did you you spent too much time learning about it. <laughs> you shouldn't, you shouldn't dig into these things. Okay. You should just pay the Pay it, be happy, you got it. Instead, you had to dig and kick the tires and disconnect some wires and see what goes on, pop under the hood, and now here we are. You're all bent out of shape about it. <laughs> you make it sound way more complicated. The fact is, the first one or two years of your life insurance premium is a fucking sales credit to the idiot sales guy. Yeah, yeah. I right? Know. So, anyway, that, that was my big boner with it but when eg was able to talk me down off the ledge and said look it's a tax advantage that the congress has decided to give the life insurance company and when we, we kind of work through the fact that it's a scam by congress to make rich people richer then the light bulb went off you know it's like you want the best table in the house, you give the maitre d' a, a 20 or maybe a 50, right? Yeah. That that wouldn't surprise you. So, you know, um, but but anyway, I I had um, a question from one of our listeners and uh, it really hit me. And um, Email or on the we, ball? Email or on the on I was on the web the website. Okay. And I won't I won't mention the gentleman's name because I don't know that he wants it public. But uh I wanted to talk about it. Unfortunately, I had incredible clarity on what I wanted to say, but because of logistics, it took us a while to get this thing put together. But the question sounded pretty simple 
and led me down a our rabbit hole. The question was basically, how does Morris size his positions? And that is a hard and an excellent fucking question. And um, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know. Um, this uh, gentleman who wrote to us mentioned this thing called the Kelly criterion, which is a mathematical way to optimize payoff with risk. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and not to be disrespectful to our uh, listener, Anytime somebody shows me a mathematical model as a measure of risk, I'm, I'm entirely dismissive of the thing. And I can explain it to you in pretty simple language. The assumptions which underlie any model involving math, maybe not 100%, but the bulk of them, they assume that Markets are open 24 hours. They assume that they trade at every price. They assume that you can transact at every price. They assume the act of transacting doesn't affect the price. They assume there's no commissions, okay? It, you will have to take my word for it, but because you've never sat in the trading room. But when the shit's on, nobody's sitting there calm, you know, running their little abacus. They're like, you know, that stench of panic, anxiety, smell, because all of a the sudden they're having to do things and do trades in a market where there's no bidder offer. And what the academics do is they'll go back and they'll get all this data and there'll be spikes, very large spikes in the data. And they'll say, well, we're gonna eliminate these spikes because it's probably a bad quote or a one lot traded, or any host of examples. No, that was some guy or gal or he or they getting fucking stopped out. I know, because I've been that guy. Yeah, wow. Leslie's been that guy. Robbie's been that guy. I, I, I told the story about Robbie. We had a problem in Pibor. And I, I said, he said, what should we do? I said, you're going to get out. And I tell you right now, that'll be the low. The second you get out, that will be the low. And it's going to turn around and it's going to go right back up. Yep. And it's going to drive you crazy. And that's what we're going to do because we have to respect the system. Right? You cannot violate the system. There are no, there's no excuses. So we come back to the question, how do you size a position, okay? What I did was I was totally immersed in the markets. It was 24 seven, 365. EG and I laughed recently. I might even have talked about it on one of the podcasts. I, I felt like I got one day off a year. That was January 1st. Because D31, the books were marked. Jan 1st, the markets closed. Jan 2nd, we're all assholes all over again, which is what I used to like to say the first day of the new year, because you're not up any money. Yeah. So other than that, it was just this constant following of the marketplace. And not to be too corny about it or, or fuck it, corny about it. You know, you, you ask Laird Hamilton, 
how he rides a wave, right? He just kind of he just kind of gets in the flow. And and you may recall I talked about how on my lunch hours when I worked on LaSalle Street, I would go to the Dean Witter office and watch the ticker tape. And no different than you watch these 12-year-old kids sit on a computer, they kick the computer on with their left foot, you know, they're playing these games, you know, right hand, launch the missile, raise the shield, right? And, and, and so you build these neural net pathways. And so to go back to how would I size a position? Well, options pretty easy. First of all, uh, as you know by now, and most people don't listen, um, you don't short them. So, and by the way, if you short them, I'm telling you right now, you're gonna die, okay? <laughs> you, you're gonna die. <laughs> Are we clear? Yeah. <laughs> Crystal, right? Crystal. If you're long, what I would do, what I did, was we would have core businesses that I would call mean reversion, meaning something would seem out of line, meaning bonds look cheap, bonds look rich, and we would play that arbitrage game. And I, and I knew roughly, or I could, through experience, guess, speculate, how much money a year those trades would generate and I would take a fairly significant portion of that money and I would buy very low delta out of the money, puts and calls. Just, and that's one of the things I've noticed about my position now that I kind of miss. I don't have anything in the hopper that I'm going to wake up one day and is going to make me a zillion dollars. But but back then, we we had all these things, right? So. Um, that's one way I, I size the position. The trickier part, and I think the, the more interesting part would be, how do you size a trade that I would refer to as a mean reversion? Okay, so there, there's, let me give you two examples. Okay, one, the easy example would be using a futures contract. And that's easy because they expire. So there's a March, a June, a SEP, and a DEES. And on those dates, they they deliver and they go away. So on those four dates, the cash and the futures align. And so you have a date certain that that trade is going to have to come off. Another type of mean reversion trade would be a yield curve trade. So, you know, there's a, a five-year note, a seven-year note, a 10-year note, and people will play the shape of that between those three issues with the, the seven would be in the middle versus the fives and tens. They call that the wings. And depending on how rich or cheap the, the, the seven-year note would be, if it was rich, they'd short it. If it was cheap, they would buy it. And over time, the wiggles would be such that it would come back to, quote, fair value, and they, they would take, take it off. Now, the problem with that is there's nothing like a futures contract that forces that to work. So uh, it can go a long way and stay there. Um, we can talk about positive negative carry, but let's just not entertain that. So we've got two trades now. We've got the futures trade and we've got the mean reversion trade. So how 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 do you size those? And this is where, you know, it, it's gonna sound a little loony and uh, I I just who I am, but when you stare at the market 18 hours a day, five days a week, and you're looking at other things on the weekends, you start to get a feel 
for how these things move back and forth. And one element, very few people, I, I've never heard anyone really bring it up, uh, is the notion of time. Now, they, they, they talk about time constantly when you're talking about options because of time decay. But let's take a look at futures contracts, which is, to me, the, the low-hanging fruit in explaining things because they're quarter, you know, quarterly, yada, yada, yada. So to me, when you looked at a futures contract, it's a 90-day cycle. And my view would be the first 45 days of the cycle, they can put that futures contract anywhere the fuck they want. Because they got another, they got time, right? But once you get inside of 45 days, you have this tremendous pull to, to fair value, right? So to answer the question, how would Morris size the trade? The, the, it would be like this. I'd figure out some number. How far could it go? And we would look at past examples of how cheap or rich the futures could get and use that as a, you know, like a finger in the air. But from the day we put that trade on, okay, or the moment we put that trade on, EG and I would be focused on how that futures contract traded. And if it traded poorly, we would drag our feet to add. And if it traded strongly, we would be quick to add. But, but keeping in mind that position size was highly dynamic. So it we could have a big position and at day 60 or you know 50, we didn't like the way it traded, something wasn't trading right, we'd cut the position back, yep. okay? Yep. On the other hand, if the thing was trading like blue steel, it would be like, we're just going to get them all. Yeah. We're just going to get every last fucking one. And um, so is that an answer? Well, it maybe I, it, it's what we did. And one of the advantages we had first with me and um, the partner, I, my business partner before EG came on board, like minds. You know, it's amazing for three people, this older fellow, me and, and EG, to have just such an incredible similarity of observation. And so um, it, it, there would be times where um, we just knew it was wrong. And the, the benefit we had was, number one, we understood do not lose the platform. So, you know, I've said this before, Wall Street firms typically pay 50% of earnings out in compensation. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to talk about our comp right now, Quick, maybe later, maybe not. But Greenwich Capital, we get to we got to keep like fifty percent of what we make. Now, I don't know. I don't think Bobo gets fifty percent. I mean, he probably told he probably told it to that tall woman who's shagging somebody else already. But um, so when you get paid that much, why fuck that up? Right? Why fuck that up? So we we all understood the notion of protect the platform. Okay. If we decided collectively, and ultimately it would come down to me, but I don't ever ever over, remember over, overruling people with this stuff. He he, EG had the ability to move positions like I have never seen. And I, I could tell you stories. It's just, it's just maniacal. What was, he, what was what, why was he so special? So, 
Dude, you guys are such an odd couple, dude. You're such a the two like people don't understand. EG's like twenty, he's fifteen years younger than you, and I think just the mere eight. Although I look young for my age. Yeah, okay. but like, yeah, yeah, you do look so young, you, guy, but you're you're an yeah. old you're an old chestnut. And EG, like you you bump into EG at a party, you're like, who's this sophomore in college? He looks, you know, yeah. and he's just got such energy. Go so on. he was like a he was like. USA ski champion. I know. Okay. I know. Down so he so he apparently, if I get this right, they went up to like Green Mountain School in Vermont. Of course. So it's a bunch of it's a bunch of young kids with no adult supervision. I mean the dream. And, and they apparently played, you know that hand slap game where you turn? Okay. So apparently they played that game non-stop till their hands were bloody wow, okay yeah. so i remember him telling me about this and i'm like oh i gotta try and he's like doc no doc no and i said no come on and and he says okay so he says well you can blink you, <laughs> yeah you go first so I, I put my hands and i realized he's got these fucking mitts <laughs> and do you remember that politically incorrect movie, Blazing Saddles. Of course. Where he's like, all you got to do is capture that chess piece, right? And he'd say, go. And the guy went like this. <laughs> and he opens his hands and the chess piece is gone. And it's in the guy's holster. That's EG. Yeah. That is EG Fisher. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I just... Back when... It was on the phone mm -hmm. when you were talking to the brokers. Artic artistic license, I would say, even a pure broker, I think I might have had, I might have edged him out on the wire. On the okay. phone, on the phone, on the phone. On the phone. But because I could hear the noise on the floor. Right, and I remembered the the sound, and, and okay, EG didn't work on the floor, but when they put those video game boxes, and the that was that was game over. It was absolutely fucking game over. Uh, yeah. and, and and so, anyway, going back to the question about how did how did we size positions, it was it was multi dimensional. To take it a step further. Remember, you know, people are motivated by money. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say I fall into that category. And the way uh, I worked it out was I was the plug figure. So everybody got paid top of the scale. And then what was left, I got to keep. Historians will argue whether it was fair or not, but... You know, since nobody ever quit other than one Canadian kid who had a fucking nervous breakdown, the numbers must have been pretty good, right? Um, but uh, what I had to do was I had to look at six, seven, eight traders' positions. And so the first thing I started doing was I got a, I got a, a yellow pad of paper. You know, some people call it a legal pad, Okay. And remember me giving you that story about the market can go either three ways or five ways. Unchanged, up a little, up a lot. Unchanged, down a little, down a lot. I would first in longhand list the trades where they would profit. Up a little, up a lot, down a little, down a lot. And I would make sure there wasn't a combination where everything was stacked. If one thing happened, it was going to be a problem. And it, it led to a couple of very, very uncomfortable conversations for me. One in particular, where there was a guy who was short a lot of two-year notes who had been with the firm way longer than me, and we were just too short him. And I, I said, yeah, you're going to have to cover some of them. And, uh, and he did, but he, he took his pound of flesh. 
uh, in that process, and it was it was very uncomfortable. Mm. But um, it, but what got more complicated was as we had, and keep in mind, I'm constantly getting rid of traders, right? Because I realized the amount of people who were good was small and the resources were limited. So you want to get the resources into the hands of the people that could do something with it. Okay. So I would do the longhand thing with the sheet of paper, but then we built a, a, a computer program called GPS, Global Positioning System. And it was fantastic. So you could, I could organize the positions and look at them in any way I wanted, which was a tremendous asset because is I've told you, and even my wife now has, has come to understand this is a fluke. I just get these pictures in my mind about how things are supposed to work or how they work. And I remember telling you the story in the statistics class with the dot, Professor, uh, um, not Luthold, Newbolt, Paul Newbolt, right? How he put the dot on the curve, drew the line through the curve, tangent, slope. So I would run through something in the order of three or 400 positions and before we get hate mail, a lot of them were swaps, which would have longs and shorts. So it, it wasn't as many as it sounded, but I would just every day go through every position until I could get this two or three or four dimensional picture in my mind. Where did you learn to do that? How did that become your system? That was you. That's you. That's how you morphed into yeah. operating. That's how it just became. Yeah. That. You didn't crib yeah. that from some old. That was just because you're in a new world. It was you were, a, you know. So many of the things that I have come to figure out. And it's not just the trading. It's like management principles. All these things you talk about. It's like I was talking to. I forget who it was. I. I, I want to say my son-in-law, but I don't remember. Uh, actually, it was my brother-in-law. He was he's all, was offered the head of a, a department where he works, and he's hemming and hawing. Well, you should take it or not. And I go, you got to take it. There's no choice. And he's like, why? I said, because if you don't take it, someone else will, and then you're working for them. And the second you heard that, it's like, duh. As bad as managing people is, it's yeah. worse being managed, right? Okay. But a lot of this stuff happened because I was in that transitional arc of analog to digital. And and frankly, why I think I have a unique story is there really aren't many people who've had responsibility during the change in that process. And so when I knew you got lucky, you timed, you have the perfect fucking timing, dude. You yeah. caught the tail end of Chicago. You came to New York in the eight. You were here for the 80s. Yeah. You were, you were operating through 87. Yeah. You operated through a, what? Oh, it was just yeah. like, dude, you got yeah. like the perfect like era of rock and roll is whatever. Pick the dates. You can just yeah. that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Now. Thank you. But like you have really like like pick cars like cars had like from 50 to 80 that 30 year like period where everything you you like oh that's the the era I wanted to live in you fucking bullseyed Wall Street Wall Street you bullseyed Wall Street you you start in Chicago which is such an unfair advantage dude because dude those it's unfair yeah. formative errors in that godforsaken city that has crumbled. Dude, talk about timing things. Dude, your brother's got to go. Tell Mark he's got to go. Mark, you got to go. Don't make me harp on this. I've gotten your brother out of exercise. I will get your brother out of Chicago, okay? Hey, our webmistress lives in Chicago. I begged her. I told her I would buy her a house. She won't listen. She will have none of it. Women. 
Don't they know? Dude, those years in Chicago where you talk about being able to hear the, like, hear the, to be able to hear the floor and to hear that over the phone and then go and click the mouse. Like, you just, it's just such a perfect window. It really, all of it, you, know? It, I, you know, everyone thinks they got a book in them. I, I, I did and it got fucked up, which is too bad. But I, I do feel, special and not retarded special i do feel special that i got to see it go all the way from that big brick of a monroe calculator at the muni you know broker dealer to them putting up chalk prices for treasury bills to you know what we have now which is you can do it on your hp 12c and i and and it's been such a fun experience to talk to you about these things because I, I think, um, you know, Wall Street's never going back to where it was, you know. And um, I, I think there's an element of Wall Street that was very good. I, I, I think early on there was a huge emphasis on teamwork on partnership that now ill-fated investment bank long-term greedy right um th that doesn't exist now now it's you know get in there see if you can you know make a shit ton of money and if you blow up you blow up and i it's just not my it's just not how I, I saw things. Uh, we could get into the psychobabble, but it's not that interesting and it's not all that it's not all that important important. But um, yeah, it, it it's been a it's been a really good run. I, I I can't tell you it's like been shits and giggles. I I mean just the constant stress um, even today. You know, my brain has been rewired in such a bizarre way. I was talking to Cheryl about this earlier today. You know, she was saying, why does it make you anxious to travel? And I'm like, well, let's say we're at 34 Simmons Lane and you want to go out for lunch. She goes, well, I, okay, decide where I want to go. And then I go. She goes, well, what do you do? I said, well... I decide what I want to eat. Then I think of the three or four places that I can go. And then I think about what time of day it is. And then I think about which is going to have the least number of people and the most available parking. And then once I do that, then I think about how do I get there? Do I go up Lake Avenue, cut across to Round Hill Road? Do I take Round Hill Road? Up to Bedford. Stop, stop, stop. I just finished my pizza, okay? Amy went to a new pizza place tonight. Yeah. I said, did you go straight or did you make the right turn? And then my next question was, was there parking? And she goes, no, no parking. I put the hazards on the front. I said, you're such a, such a scumbag. Good for you. Good. <laughs> well, that was my two questions. Which route did you take? I wanted to know which route she took. And I wanted to know the yeah. parking situation. Those were my concerns. You, you, you know what? I couldn't possibly be prouder. I am so proud right now. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Welcome. Okay. <laughs> Let's get this man a hedge fund. Incredible. Right? I still have pizza sauce on the corner of my mouth. I swear to God, my first two questions, which way did you go? Because we've never been. This is a new pizza player. How was the route? Yeah. You know, nine minutes or eight? And how was the parking? Okay, go, go, go ahead. Yeah. Proceed. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, so I, that's a very long-winded, incomplete answer to the question of how to size a position. But I guess the key points are small enough not to blow up and incorporate time into your decision-making process. Again, if you're a long-term investor that's playing the compound interest, this doesn't apply to you, right? We're talking about a guy that was running, I think, 1.17 traders levered at 
no less than a hundred to one. It, it was probably if you counted euro dollar options, which I didn't. I don't even know what that because we would have you know two, three, four hundred thousand euro dollar options, and those are million dollar. I understand. Yeah, so I the number was just incomprehensible. Too many zeros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know it's funny. Um, when we started trading Italy, uh, Robbie said to me something. He said they could save a hundred basis points if they just lapped six zeros off the end of their fucking currency. <laughs> Those positions were small, but yet the currency was so little. We had to get special paper because it was that trans that jet printer. Remember that? It, you couldn't fit them on the fucking page. Jesus. So you guys move markets. Was that would you guys move markets, Greenwich Capital? No, we would uh, no that that was no. Input, wow. No, 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 no. You that was no. the whole point. It's like a it's like a. Uh, a cat, a cat burglar. You got in, you got out. Nobody knew. That was that was the whole point of this thing. But I, I told you that story about we took the boat and they had all those chuckleheads from J.P. Morgan spouting about this big trade. Of it's like it, it, when we went out to raise money, when we went after we left Bobo's colostomy bag, mm. and. Um, Nobody, nobody heard of us. The reason we got money, I told you, was because one of the guys had skied with EG and the other guy had done Swiss asset swaps with me. And, um, you know, the, the, it, unlike um, Bill Ackman, some people think being under the radar. Two, two things I wanted to bring up quickly. I don't know how much time we have left on um, tether. I I have to say at this point, wrong. I was wrong. Apparently, I, I apparently it's legit. I guess Howard, I Lutnick. Know, but... Howard Howard Lutnick came out and said, "I've seen it, and they've got it." Yeah, I know well, you. I know. I know. I know. Thank I know. you. Thank you. Thank you for keeping me from telling you what I think of that. I know guy. what you think. I know. Thank you. Um. Go ahead, Tether. Uh, what? What? You you've given up Tether? You've lost? Yeah, dude. Tether is operated by the government. It's a, it's a, it's the U.S. government. It's obviously it's a vacuum for the crooks. Okay. Well, now it's now it's a fucking money printing business. They got a, a incredible zillions of dollars. Right. Exactly. That's what Ed said. Ed said they made it this far. Now at this point, all they have to do is buy the two year. Oh my God. That that's the problem. The penalties in our society aren't severe enough. Nothing. Right. Nothing. So remember, I told you I was reading that book. It's like the the price of time. So I read the first sixty five pages, and then we 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 left, uh, and I didn't feel like lugging the book with me. But I could distill it down to this: spoos and blues, and why everyone hates the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> If you're new to the business or you want to hear about some financial history, I think it's a pretty solid book. I really enjoyed the first 65 pages, but I didn't need to learn yet again about John Law and the South Sea Bubble. Now, if you don't know about John Law and the South Sea Bubble, I think it's a pretty good book. Um, but for me, and I do think the first 65 pages are good, but to spend 25, 30 bucks on a book, uh, it seems like wait till it, wait till it goes on sale for 10 cents on Amazon. Um, yeah. Cause what he had to say ain't going to change. Okay. But, um, Zervos, Zervos said it's back to spoos and blues. Speaking of spoos and blues, your buddy Zervos yeah. you know, sent you the note. I don't know if we're allowed to discuss the, uh, the note, but yeah, he said in his note, it's 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 back to uh, it's game back on spoos and blues. Yeah, uh, eh. yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, depends I, on where you I are. Think, depends on where you are. I, I think we talked last week. I mean, it's unclear to me where we're going with the economy, and I'm going to wait and see. But one of my uh, uh, real estate guys was saying how high interest rates are, and I said, you know, I don't mean to be necessarily argumentative, but if you look at historically, they're you know they're not that high. Um, could they go higher? Could they go lower? At this point, like I said, I, I'm I'm taking a break on that. I've I do have, you know, I'm fully invested, uh, but it's it's pretty duration reasonable. Um, you know, you get out into credit product where you feel comfortable with the underlying, the the returns are attractive but uh you know i would not be in a in a highly levered position right now until i have a better sense of uh, how things are going to go yeah no i've seen a lot of people that have been like oh yeah this is the best recession ever this is you know this is fantastic but i also saw a chorus of the numbers have been bullshit i saw a lot of people that said that number looks funny that number looks wrong talking about either non-farm payrolls or whatever the unemployment number people are like in in where i'm operating they're like things are not well okay well uh, you you will recall us discussing how at inflection points of the economy, the economic data becomes spurious, i.e. unreliable. Um, maybe we're at that, maybe we're at that point, but when all of a sudden I gotta start thinking about losing rental buildings because of refinance, you know, where's where's the stimulus gonna come from? I, I you know, I'm not I'm not not sure about that. So I think it's a is always we urge caution, but I, I really feel question. you want them to cut rates. They cut rates. Does that help you? Does that help your real estate stuff? You need that. You're you're. Well, I don't know, because what people almost never get right is there's the cost of money. There's the avail availability of money. They can take rates to zero, and if they won't loan you any money, you got no money. Um, so I, I'm not really sure. I, I do think the yield curve has got to find a way to get positive, and it probably is going to be with the Fed cutting. But as you pointed out, I think last week the inflation thing's not it's not over yet, but. Uh, um, I don't know. I, again, I don't feel compelled to make any big prognostications right now. I, I don't feel that way. And, yeah. and um, you know, our sponsors are, are happy with our numbers and, um, you know, so. Um, What's on the agenda? What are you doing? What are you going to do for 10 days? You're going to go walk around? <laughs> You're married. Yeah. What am I going to do? Whatever the fuck I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always so many. Are you at back at your favorite little place in the countryside? Are you out in the countryside? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we'll be there in uh, in a in a few days. One, I think tomorrow night, like at midnight, we're going to get up and look at the kiwis or something. I, what you know, that? I don't. What is that? What are the kiwis? They're these little animals. Come on. Yeah, no, it's a thing. Oh, dude, I need. I'm going to need pictures. Okay, and sometimes I'm going to need pictures for a few. They're they're, they're a little shy. The kiwis, but I'll see what I I'll see what I I'll no see way. what I can do. Okay, yeah. so you go see the is it just you and the wife? The, it's just you and Cheryl from down under. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. We had a nice walk in the park and had a nice, really, really nice talk. And she said it's been like four or five years since we've taken a vacation together because of the COVID and, yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, and yet we're still married. Yeah. <laughs> All right, run along, go enjoy. All right. And if yeah. you need to do another show, I know it's Friday today, it's Friday night here. Okay. It's it's 9 p.m. Yeah. on Friday night. I think you're at Saturday, two, whatever, two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. But if you need to do another show, okay, if there comes a 
Just call me since this went so well. All right. And look, I want to, yo, seriously, thank you for doing it. Dude, he's doing, he's on vacation with his wife on the other side of the world and he's chiming in to talk the fucking two year note with you folks. Okay. Um, because he feels this obligation. And dude, I feel I have people who sent me emails that were like, I named my firstborn Liam because we love the show so much. Oh. <laughs> like, I've no got more no Morris to be, and and my wife was not able to bear me a my a male child. Right. So, no, no, seriously, I've got people that I will email back, but no, seriously, dude, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, you've oh, it's great to see you. And this, okay. will, this will be reflected in your bonus. Go ahead. <laughs> Get out of here, you know. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, let me do. Let me stop the recording and not lose it. Goodbye. <laughs>